Hi, I'm Nick Percat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we've got the driver of Car 19, freshly from uh, his weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, Alex Davison. Welcome, the local legend. <laughs> the local legend, I like it. Thanks for having me, guys. It's our pleasure. Um, so, you, you were back in the car. You weren't in it until Saturday morning, is that correct? You had two practice sessions? Yeah, it was a, it was a strange, strange format for the weekend. It was um, wait, wait, wait all week. And then we were um, into the thick of it very quickly on Saturday with two quick practice sessions. And, uh, and then straight into the sort of highest pressure part of the weekend after that with qualifying and then one race. So um, Saturday was, you know, really intense um, with no more than 30 minute break in between any of the sessions. So it was interesting, but um, I think everyone enjoyed it and it was just great to be back in a car and, and sort of in amongst it. Interestingly, both you and Chris Stuckey, your engineer, you come from very different but very similar backgrounds because motor racing in both your families goes back a long way. Um, and uh, it's fascinating. Yours, yours, of course, a bit further back than uh, Chris's, but there's obviously uh, an enormous amount of history on both the Stuckey and Davison sides. That's one thing that I would think in a weekend like that works really well for you. Yeah, look, Chris and I have never worked together, but uh, I've known of him, and um, as Craig mentioned off there, um, I remember Chris's, I think he's a little bit older than me, but I remember when, when I was a kid racing go-karts, I remember seeing him racing because um, I knew who his dad was because my dad was racing Formula Holden and stuff like that then, and I knew Russell was the Dunlop Tire guy, and Chris used to have one of JB, one of John Bauer's helmets when he was racing go-karts, so it was quite distinctive. So we, we, we spoke about that on the weekend. Um, and, you know, we, we get along really well. We're sort of not too dissimilar in age and um, and sort of and backgrounds in supercars a little bit. It's, there's some similarities there, so it was really enjoyable working together. And, um, we've you know, we've got a lot of work to do to, to, to gel and to learn how, learn about, our new car we're both working with and um, and learn about each other. That was just the first weekend with very little lead-in, I suppose, into the weekend as well. Um, but I think, I hope he enjoyed it as well, but I liked working with him and uh, and I think there's a lot of potential in that whole sort of partnership. It was a real bonus for the fact that uh, for Team Sydney having their first race together in this format um, it was at the home base, and that was a real advantage for you, I would think. Yeah, it, look, it worked out quite well in the end because we've been waiting for the what will be a temporary workshop at Sydney Motorsport Park to be finished, and it was finalised um, a week or so out from the event there. So, um, you know, in as a, literally in the in the week of the event, the cars and the equipment and everything got moved into the workshop and our whole crew spent, including Chris and myself and the mechanics, got to spend um, three or so days in the workshop preparing for the weekend um, and all of us getting to know each other a little bit because this was our, you know, although we spent one day at the Grand Prix together, um, Chris wasn't there at that event, 
um, this was in effect our first real weekend together. So it was good having that lead in and we didn't have to travel far once the, all the equipment and stuff was in the workshop, but they only had to push it across the paddock and into the garage. The truck only had to move about 20 metres. So that was, <laughs> that was interesting. Too. What is fascinating <coughs> though is you're in Queensland, Chris is in Melbourne, and mm-hmm. on Monday the uh, Premier of Queensland said people associating with Melburnians have to go into a 14-day quarantine. That is going to make the whole Winton experience a very interesting one for you. Yes. Um, I don't know how all that's going to work. I don't know the ins and outs of that. We obviously just got through the first weekend and, and all those um, social distancing sort of things seem to be moving quite quickly and changing as the weeks go by. So how it's all going to work, at Winton, I have no idea, um, but obviously uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting down there. But yeah, with, with the changes that have happened in the last week or so down in Victoria, it is adding probably some complications to matters, that's for sure. It was interesting that across the weekend uh, we had the opportunity to speak with Scott McLaughlin, who said he really didn't see anyone past the like the Red Bull garage because they yep. were able to space everyone out so far. Did you experience that coming the other way? You didn't really see anyone past your garages? Very little. Uh, we, 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 um, we're neighbours with Team 18 and Matt Stone Racing and I sort of had to walk past their garages to go to the bathroom every now and again. So that, I sort of got to wave at a few of the guys as I walked past their garages. But, yeah, there was no sort of congregating or socialising um, for obvious reasons, apart from anything else, there just wasn't time. We didn't have time to scratch ourselves on any of the days, so it was, it was busy, busy, busy. Um, in the short amount of time we had between each session, um, you know, clearly we were talking to the engineers and looking at what information we had and, and trying to keep things moving forward. So it was a real sort of quick-fire <clears throat> race format and even practice and qualifying format. So, um, yeah, no, definitely didn't see... As many people as you would normally see, even at the hotel um, where we're all staying in the hotel across the road. There, the Queenslanders are on one side of the hotel, one wing of the hotel. The Victorians are on another wing of the hotel, and you weren't allowed to even walk through the the doors to that wing. So they kept everyone quite separate. Have you ever, in all your travels around the world and racing all around the world, ever experienced anything like that at a race weekend? No, I mean, it's not just in a race weekend, anything like this, just in life in general, it's um, quite odd. I mean, I'm back in Queensland now and you wouldn't know any of this going on. It's pretty relaxed up here and people are still taking it seriously, but there's only, there's less than a handful of cases active in Queensland at the moment, so it's probably less serious. Um, But they took it very seriously on the weekend and everyone everyone followed the, the, the sort of, the systems and the, everything that had been laid out, everyone followed the rules and did the right thing. And there's plenty of people wearing masks and there was hand-washing stations everywhere and all that sort of stuff. So it's funny, once you get in all that, I sort of don't notice that sort of stuff. Once the race race weekend starts, the focus is on performance, on lap times, on you know, understeer and oversteer and all that sort of stuff. And it, it doesn't matter, you know, we can do a race on the moon and I think most drivers wouldn't notice what's going on around them. They just get focused on the job and... Um, and it didn't feel that different apart from when you look up, the grandstands are empty. <clears throat> you and Jonathan uh, drove, was it just the two of you drove down and drove home again then? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, Webby and I and Joel, who's um, the number one on Chris's car, we drove down from Queensland, and then um, he he stayed down with the Joel stayed down there to with the other guys to work on the cars this week, and um, Webby and I drove home yesterday. So that was um, that was quite good actually. It's not a bad drive, and good to spend some time with Jono. Um, sort of unofficially debrief after the weekend, um, do a bit of planning. And it was quite relaxed, and yeah, it was good. Jono has, I mean, I, I suppose I've known him from uh, all his <clears> days <throat> in Porsches. Um, he uh, he's certainly grown. Um, uh, he was quite quite young when he took over the responsibility um, of a uh, team. Um, are you feeling pretty confident? That you, Chris Stuckey talked about how it, it's pretty good setup you've got, given that it is an interim um, before the new facility will be built. But he felt that you know that he was surprised how good the setup was. Yeah, look, there's a, there's a lot of positives what we're doing. Um, Jonathan is, I, I think he's doing a great job at the moment. Where none of us are kidding ourselves that um, we don't have work to do still to build Team Sydney up into what we, we all want to, you know, all want it to be. And this is, but this is the start of, um, start of that process. Um, you know, it's up until now that the team's been halfway somewhere, halfway between Gold Coast and Sydney. So, for example, you can't go employing people when doing that transition from between states hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, he probably cop, copped a bit of flack late last year and early, early this year. So, I think there was probably a lot of people in the paddock who were sceptical about if it was going to happen and 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 whether there was stability there. But I can assure you there's plenty of stability there. Um, Jonathan and Kobe are fully committed to the Techno Team Sydney program. Um, the, as we said, you know, they've, they've just spent a lot of money setting the workshop up at City Motorsport Park and that move's taken place. And, um, and Jonathan's serious about what they're doing. Um, we've got good equipment. Um, you know, current spec AAA equipment. Um, we're, we're building a good crew of guys. We've got a really good crew of guys um, on the team at the moment. It's been fantastic seeing an inexperienced guy like Chris Ducky come on board. Um, and the mood and the morale in the team was awesome on the weekend. And that's often the case. It's all new. Um, the, our job is to keep that going. But I think we've got a really good base to work on. Um, and everyone's pushing in the one direction, which is cool. Well, one of the three things, as I said to Chris, and I'm not trying to say this to you just to pump your tyres up, so to speak, um, is the fact that both you and Chris Pither are both very positive, optimistic people. You're both people who have a, a half a full glass, and uh, that's very important in a team because, as you know, as a driver, you, you set a tone amongst the guys. You know, the, your mechanics you know, feed off the driver, Um I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I mean it totally positive, and I'm sure you'd be well aware of that. Yes, I, you know it's probably um, one of the drivers' jobs, and it's not always easy because as drivers, we're very competitive. We want to do well, and um, it, you know uh, it's, it's hard to put it, it's hard to jump out of the car with a big smile on your face when you haven't done as well as you would like. Um, but this is a, quite a different situation to, to others I've been in in the past. Um, we are all starting at a similar level, 
um, you know, I've been out. I haven't driven the car before. I haven't tested the car before. I'm coming in once the season's already started after not racing full-time in supercars for a little while. So, um, you know, I'm not at my peak. As I said to Chris and Jono, you know, I'm as, I'm not going to, I'm as, I'm as bad as I'm going to be at the moment. <laughs> I'm as rusty as I'm going to be. Um, so it, it can only move forward. And we're all in the same spot, you know, um, with, with the, with the newness of the team, for lack of a better word, um, you know, they only had limited time to practice pit stops, for example, for the weekend. So we've got room to improve there. Um, I've got room to improve. Learning about the Triple Eight Commodore um, and getting the most out of. You know, I didn't get the most out of the car in Quali on Sunday. I'm on the second race Sunday, um, up until the last corner where I was, I was a good chunk up and probably on track for a 15th or something in qualifying, which would have been a fantastic result for us. And um, I sort of sprayed the second last corner a little bit. And uh, and all that, but that's, you know, we all put our hand up where, where there's areas we need to improve and um, and work together. And hopefully we can stay as a nice United team. And look, all this is very cliche stuff. All the stuff I'm saying, it's the stuff every driver says. <laughs> so it probably is boring, but it's true in our case. So, you know, I've, one of my roles I, with Jono is trying to keep that, keep that, um, keep everyone together and keep us all pushing in the one direction. Interestingly, you had the situation, <coughs> and we spoke to Chris yesterday on the show about no data and some of the other rules, the yeah. two tyre guns and, and that, but particularly yeah. the no data, other than the fact yeah. that you got to watch the uh, Saturday night movie or a bit of football, what yeah. what was your thoughts and what was your takeaway of that particular change? Um, um, well, I think it's a good thing because it definitely helped the smaller teams. There was less information to look at, so um, there's less you know, less workload for the engineers and the drivers and um, and less people required in the team, which is obviously with the 13 people rule per two-car team, that was important. Um, the one thing that's a bit funny is in the end, we sort of did have some data still to look at because um, the live telemetry was still logged. There was a lot less data because a lot of the sensors were pulled off the car, but a basic speed trace with steering and, and um, and throttle application stuff, we sh- we still did have um, not logged from the car because we weren't allowed to download the car. But they said the telemetry, the live telemetry, and if it goes to the the garage, was still logged, and the, the quality of the data is not as good as what's logged in the car. But it was still so we still had some things to look at, particularly from a driver's perspective. Um, so I would have liked it to have. I would have liked. To have nothing. I thought we were going to really have no data at all to look at. So, because um, I, I felt maybe the experienced guys would have had a slight advantage there. But um, overall, it was good. There was definitely less workload than normal. Um, and being a smaller team and all everything being new to us, we were probably focusing on keeping it simple and not going berserk with the changes we were making with the car as well. So, um, all that meant it was it was the workload wasn't too high, and we were away from the track pretty early every night, relatively. I'm also interested in uh, going back to what we might see at Winton. Do you think when you're, you know, just putting your hat on about what the situation was, the COVID-19 restrictions, and now some of the things we're hearing uh, through the media, do you think they could, because Winton has got more garages than supercars has cars, we might even see the pit 
order change so that there'll be Victorian <coughs> teams and um, and Queensland teams clustered together to even, you know, to help with perhaps what's going on with uh, Queensland rules or is that too far above your pay grade to worry? I haven't heard anything about that. I haven't heard anything along those lines. Um, from a sporting point of view, I would it would be quite difficult because the pit lane order is something the teams work hard, you know, with the team's championship um, and all. It's, it's quite an advantage um, to be further up the pit lane and it's something everyone works hard towards. So it would be difficult to to do that. But obviously the priority at the moment is getting the events running and if that was necessary, I'm sure it would be looked at. But I haven't heard anything along those lines. I wouldn't have the obvious idea. Um, I don't think it's really necessary, to be honest. Everyone, keep, the teams keep to themselves, and um, everyone was doing the right thing at SMP, and there was no time to congregate together and socialise anyway. So I, I can't see that really being an issue. Mm. Now we're hearing that crowds will be allowed in Darwin, which will be a change of atmosphere from both uh, City Motorsport Park and then what you're going to experience at Winton. What is a, a no-crowd race meeting like? Is it a glorified test day? So look, from our side, it wasn't much different. So when you're at the track, you're so focused on racing and, um, you know, focused on going faster and making your car better and driving better and whatever, all the other things we need to focus on, all the rest of it, you don't, I, I really don't notice it too much. Um, there could be a a million fans outside and or one fan or no fans as we had on the weekend and um, as much as we appreciate them being there you're so focused on your job it really doesn't make much difference to me um, you know I've I've done all sorts of race meetings all around the world at, at different sorts of levels events where there's hundreds of thousands of people and events where there's hardly anyone and really it doesn't really affect things very much from my side it's it's, easy, it's very easy to get in and out of the circuit in the morning, so there's quite a lot of advantages. But obviously, we all want we all want the fans back. We all want people back at the track enjoying um, enjoying the show, enjoying um, supercars for what it is. You know, it's still in my in my mind one of the best motorsport spectacles on the planet. Um, I think a lot of us get spoiled, and everyone wants to see more overtaking, and wants to, everyone's got their thing they want to see more of, but. Still, it's a fantastic spectacle, particularly live. So we can't wait to have everyone back soon. Mm. Well, we're with Alex Davison, the <laughs> local Legends Team Sydney driver. And uh, Alex, you mentioned right at the beginning that you're not quite a hundred percent with it. Um, what do you need to do to uh, tune yourself up to the uh, car and to supercars again? Well, it's all it's all relative. I mean. It was, in effect, my first race meeting. I did two 20-minute sessions at the Grand Prix. And then where I was, you know, I was 15th in one of those practice sessions at the Grand Prix. And say, and at Sydney Motorsport Park, I was 15th in one of the practice, the second practice session there, first or second practice session. And in Q1, I was 13th. So I'm not a million miles away. We dropped back a little bit by the end of qualifying. Um, I was 19th. But, um, yeah, you know, in one of the sessions, another tenth I would have been another tenth of a second I would have been in the top ten in that session. So it's it's very, very close. But it's about in I mean, in reality it's about doing more spending more time in the car. Um learning the you know, I'm learning every lap I do with the car, particularly in race conditions, especially around S M P where the, the degradation is so high, finding a good race setup, 
and learning to look after the tyres and keep the pace up is very difficult. So learning all that, becoming more, um, you know, more adept at, at, at those kind of details, working with Chris and both of us understanding what changes to the car do, you know, give me what feelings and therefore improving how we tune the car and get it doing what I need it to do. Um, so understanding how the changes affect the car, understanding what I need that car to feel like um, to be fast, um, all that stuff takes time. And it's you know not usual to go into a season without any testing at all. Um, straight into you know in effect our first our first day at the track we were qualifying and racing. We didn't even have a good practice day and a night to go through things um, in in detail. So we're, we're thrown in at the deep end. And I think um, although if you just look at the results, it doesn't look spectacular. There was a lot of really promising points over the weekend, particularly qualifying on Saturday and even qualifying Sunday. The pace was there to be a lot better than. Uh, to be a few spots further up the grid than we were. So um, there was a heap of really positive points there. Um, the pace was there to, you know, to be a handful of spots further up the grid than we were. And um, so we're just going to keep chipping away, working together. And um, I think the potential's there to slowly edge forward um, at each event we do. You're a very experienced supercars driver, having driven a number of teams. How does the car feel when you first got into the Grand Prix, say, the Mustang in its modified aero reduction form? How does it feel to what your memories were of, of the, in, in the past? Um, I think the biggest difference you feel in the cars in between different, te- between different cars you drive, whether it's a Mustang, a Commodore, or, or whatever else, it comes down to um, how the teams build the cars. So, you know, last year I was in a Tickford-built supercar, happened to be a Mustang. This year I'm in a supercar, uh, in a triple eight-built supercar, which happens to be a Commodore. I think that's the important point. The way um, the cars are engineered, the way that particularly with the geometry in the front end um, really alters the, the feel of the car. But, it's a combination of all the different setup parameters. The way the teams engineer their cars gives the car a particular flavour, if you like, and 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 changes. You know, although there's a lot of control components on those cars, they feel very different and require quite a different um, technique. And and they, you know, the the Tickford car and the Triple Eight car, they both have their pros and cons. But the one thing I noticed with the Triple Eight car is it's um, immediately quite confidence inspiring. Um, it's quite user-friendly in a lot of the things it does. So um, it's easy to makes it easier to get a feel for what it needs. And so far, it responds quite sensitively to small changes. So, I mean, as you'd expect, it does a lot of things really well, I can tell you. And, um, and you know, but it's, it's, quick, it's easy to get down to a pretty good pace straight away in that car. The braking feel is very good. That's always the tricky one. If you hop in a car that isn't giving you good feel on the brakes, doesn't give you good confidence to brake late and brake on the limit, that can um, increase that learning period where you're getting up to speed. But the Triple Eight car did that very well. So, um, so far, I really like it. Um, and it's just a matter of um, dialing it into my to my sort of personal requirements, I suppose, finding our own little direction. And, um, and that's, you know, that is, that's going to take time. And that's always the, the case that driver and engineer relationship. Um, that sort of vocabulary and language you, you, you have to build um, over time is, is vitally important. When you're talking about one or two tenths of a second, making up might be five 
10 spots on the grid sometimes. It, it doesn't take a great deal to get it to, to really make up a heap of spots and improve a lot or get it wrong and drop back. I've always said when people talk about being a, a two-mate category, I've never felt that it was. I've The exact thing you've just said, whether it was a Triple Eight, a Stone Brothers, a Holden, uh, well, the Shaw car, you know, each team has its own individual characteristics and character. Um, and I've always felt that we have more variety in our category than, say, uh, in the Delara of uh, what they run in, in, our, in IndyCar. Um, where it's a control chassis, and there it is. You know, a yes, you can make it different. You can you can chrome the suspension like Penske's do, but essentially they're they're virtually all the same. Um, the one uh, big change you've got coming uh, for Winton is tyres. With the degradation of uh, Sydney Motorsport Park not happening at Winton, what do you think will be the direction they take? Will they give you the mix of hard and soft, uh, do you think, at Winton? Would that be the way to go there, to give that tyre strategy difference? Uh, I, 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 haven't, I haven't even read the um, top race for Winton yet, but I believe we're running soft and hard, a combination of. So that, that, that's going to mix up the strategies again. Um, similar to SMP, but for different reasons. But you're, you're exactly right. That in terms of degradation, it couldn't be polar opposites to, to SMP. Um, Winton is these days one of the lowest speed tracks because it's got a, a very high grip level. Um, so that would change the way the strategy works a lot. But we'll throw into the mix, you know, the dual compound in, in, a, in a single race even. So... Yeah, we need to need to go through that. It was extremely complicated managing the different strategy options on the weekend. There was a lot of different options, a lot of different ways you could skin the cat, so to speak. So um, I'd say that's going to be with the tire limitations going to be similar at Winton, and it adds a new dimension to it. It spices things up. It, you know, you see on the weekend it threw in some threw in a different winner. It was great to see Nick and BJR win a race. Um, good to see someone with a different team and different driver up there breaking breaking the norm, breaking the triple eight and um Penske sort of stranglehold on things. So and hopefully that's the same at uh at Winton we can get some different winners and some different podium getters up there. Well we too uh, look forward to that time when you're getting up on the podium Alex and taking team Sydney with you. I'm, I'm very grateful for you joining us on Inside Survey Cars. You've got a couple of weekends to get ready. Chris, I know, has told me that you'll all be back home doing your homework, uh, preparing for July 18, 19. We wish you the best of luck, and we know that you'll be bringing a lot of your own. So thanks for joining us on Inside Survey Cars. Alex Davison, driver of the local legends, number 19 out of Team Sydney. Thanks very much, Tony and Craig. More interesting tales of uh, City Motorsport Park. Alex certainly brings a great knowledge and a great deal of uh, understanding of the business of motor racing and the business of supercars. It's certainly terrific to get his uh, view and uh, we'll make sure that we uh, keep up to date with Team City Developments because obviously they're a team that's has got a lot of potential in there to come uh, up the up the ranks you'd agree there craig yeah indeed we look forward to catching up with him after winton as well here on inside supercars and that's it from me and that's it from him inside supercars is produced by thunder media tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au 
or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.